Welcome to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. To brighten up the month of February, I've declared it the month of joy here on the Simple Self-Care Podcast. Each week, I'm sharing a conversation with my go-to joy inspirations to chat about bringing some joy into every area of life. Last week, I got to chat with the hilarious and talented Molly Yeh, an award-winning blogger and cookbook author. So head back to that conversation if you haven't listened already. But today, I'm very excited to bring you a delightful conversation with the fun and wise nutritionist Becca Shern from Minimal Wellness. We got a chance to talk about the dangers of staying in stressful situations, the importance of filling your own cup first, the wisdom of the small and simple, how minimalism creates time to take care of yourself, tips on simplifying the kitchen, letting go of attachment to outcomes, and and more covered a lot of good stuff. So stay tuned. But before we hop into that conversation, I have a free little Valentine's Day gift for you. Since in case you haven't heard, this week is Valentine time. So I subscribe to the belief that you can't truly love others until you truly love yourself. But self-love is not always the easiest thing to cultivate. And we have so much negative chatter going on in our brains that sometimes it can be hard to tune into the self-love that is already there. So I created a little ebook to help called Cultivating Self-Love, the how-to and why-to of creating a deeper love for yourself. Self-care is a vehicle for self-love, and this ebook is full of self-care practices and perspectives for you to try on. There is even a whole section on dating yourself. Good times. So head over to my website for your free download at naturallyrandyk.com. That's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y.com or simply text self-love18, all one word, one eight, to the number 44222. And now back to the show. Becca and I were introduced through her partner, Josh, Some of you might be familiar with Joshua through his work with The Minimalists. And if you aren't familiar, you should be, because him and Ryan are awesome and an incredible source of wisdom for living a more meaningful life. And you can check them out at theminimalists.com. But anyway, Josh and I have been friends for a long time, and when he started bringing Becca around, I thought, one, well, how did he score a girl like her? And two, I was really impressed with her grounded and simple approach to health and nutrition. We became fast friends, and I've really learned a lot from her. And I've been looking forward to having her on the podcast to talk deeper about the subjects of nutrition and exercise and how to make them less daunting and more fun. Becca has been a registered dietitian for over nine years. She spent most of her career working in a less than favorable environment in Missoula, Montana, But about a year and a half ago, she decided to break away from her stressful work situation and start her own online nutrition coaching business, Minimal Wellness. The conversation starts now as Becca talks about making that hard career change and transitioning into running her own business. I kind of envisioned it being a side gig and without getting too too into the weeds of it, um, I actually 
was in a situation um, that's pretty timely um, right now where I was being pretty drastically underpaid for what I was doing within the department I was working for. And my boss at the time made it clear that he had no intention of correcting that situation. It was also a pretty, pretty rough, hostile work environment. So I just kind of made the decision that if I couldn't fix the situation after nine years of trying, which I did, you know, I spent nine years of trying to prove myself and increase my value to the department and, and show him that I was, I was a valuable employee, which he gave lip service to, but not, um, <laughs> not monetary service to, or at least not the, the appropriate compensation for what I was being asked to do. So I made the decision to, to leave and to, to start my own thing. I think a lot of people can relate to that situation, at least with my clients, a lot of their physical pain, when I start talking to them about, well, what do you think is causing that? They'll get into their work environment and that they've been putting up with a certain situation for so long, but they don't think that leaving could be an option. And they don't think that that hard situation is influencing their health. And so Mm. it's pretty incredible that you were able to recognize that and really just have the the bravery to do something different because, you know, people stay stuck in that situation for like 20 years, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's, (laughs) that's exactly why I left was I, I felt it aging me and deteriorating my health and, and just weighing, um, on every aspect of my life. And, you know, I, I was suffering from insomnia and had been for, you know, eight years or seven years, something ridiculous. You know, most of the time that I was there, it's not that it was manifesting in physical pain, thankfully, um, but it was so much emotional pain um, and weight and heaviness that I was like, I'm not willing to, to live another year like this. Um, and, you know, <laughs> ironically, it was an easier decision to make because I'd made a somewhat similar decision uh, a year and a half prior with my marriage. You know, after eight years of being with my former spouse um, and having a child together, I realized that, holy crap, like this is not, (laughs) I can't do this for the rest of my life, let alone another year. Or I could do it for another year, but what's the point? Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of ripped that bandaid off and, and realized like, Oh, like not that I was worried about it, but like, I just, I've, I started living the reality that like you can stand on your own, um, and do very well and be much happier. <laughs> and so there was a weight that got lifted with that and a pretty dramatic improvement in how I felt. But then, you know, I still was at this job and working there and trying to get through all the different things that were going on there. And it was just blatantly obvious to me that it was having a dramatic impact on my health. And, um, luckily Josh, my partner was like, Hey, (laughs) you don't need to put up with this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and he, unlike 
you know, pretty much everyone else in my life that I had talked to about the situation had the same viewpoint I did that it wasn't healthy. Um, and it wasn't something that I should be putting up with. Whereas my family, like my parents in particular, who I love and respect tremendously, um, they had a different viewpoint of it. And, and I think that their advice of this, you know, regarding the situation had a lot more to do with fear and worry over what my life would be like if I left versus how my life would continue to deteriorate if I stayed. And for me, that's how I viewed the, the choice was like, yes, it, you're taking a risk leaving, you know, a, a solidly middle income earning professional job, but it's not like I was jumping into an abyss of nothingness, right? Like I was, I was pivoting from what I was doing there to doing that for myself on my own. And I felt really confident that I had the skills to do it and the motivation to make it happen. So like, even though they weren't, they, they honestly weren't supportive of it. Um, uh, because, because I was in a, a, a rough spot already, right? Like I was only a year out from a year and a half out from getting a divorce and in a relatively new relationship with Josh and <laughs> they were scared for me. And I think as, as parents, justifiably so, but you know, it was 35 and it was a very calculated decision. Yeah. There's a few great life lessons within those experiences. And I think one of them is the first time you have to do something like make a really tough call. It can seem really daunting and overwhelming, but it really is just helping you level up. And so the next crisis that comes, you have Mm -hmm. like tools in your tool belt, you know, and each hard experience is just giving you valuable tools for the next one, because that's just what life is about. It so is. So it's hard when you're going through it, but in my own life, when I've had that happen, I just really hang on to that knowing that this is serving a greater purpose and that it is giving me very important tools that you wouldn't learn otherwise. So it's it's always worth it. Even if things don't turn out how you want to, it's always worth it to, to make that tough call and to stand up for what your true needs are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, because like the, the true needs piece is really important if you don't stand up for yourself and what your needs actually are, you do just start to sort of like wither and die Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, And so I'd spent several years already feeling like I was withering and dying. And I was like, I'm 30, you know, or 30, you know, however old I was at the time, you know, spent like my late twenties and early thirties kind of, feeling like I was withering and dying. And I was like, this is not a trajectory that I am willing to continue um, mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And so, and, and very importantly, like it was a trajectory that uh, I didn't feel was fair for my daughter. Right. And I think that that was a really critical pivot point for me was, was that I wasn't just doing it for me it needed to be done. I needed to make that change so that I could be a whole vibrant, you know, 
hopefully inspiring person, you know, Mm -hmm. for my daughter, um, even if she can't see it till she's 35. Um, (laughs) you know, so, um, she was a big reason why I finally kind of was honestly why I pulled the trigger on, you know, ending the marriage and then also with work, Mm -hmm. making this big, big pivot, feeling like I had something to give to someone else. And I, I didn't have a lot of extra to give before that. It's making yourself available. And I think that's another important aspect of self-care is that if you aren't taking care of yourself, how can you properly be there for the others in your life, especially those that are dependent on you? Yeah. Yeah. I see it a lot with my clients too. I know you do is just feeling so overwhelmed with, with other situations that seem not tied to their health, Mm -hmm. whether it's a job or a relationship or, you know, family issues or money issues, but they are intimately tied with how our, our health and our wellness um, is able to grow or, or even exist, right? Like if situations out, you know, relationships or work stuff or whatever get toxic enough, it poisons everything else. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's funny because with certain clients, I'll ask them, like, did something happen with your pain? Like, did you have a a trauma or like move weird? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, do you have any stress going on in your life? And they'll be like, well, I mean, I'm going through a divorce. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Let's, uh, and you know, we don't get into it, you know, in, in my sessions too much, but it's like some light bulbs start to go off when you can move out of the the compartment of whatever pain, physical, mental, emotional, and even like your struggles with diet, exercise, all of that, and start to like zoom out a little bit, then mm-hmm. it, it all, you can see it all, how it all works together and how important nurturing all these aspects of your life actually is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I... <laughs> I started working with a a massage therapist here in town a few months before deciding to, to leave my former employment and start minimal wellness. And she, she pulled a lot of those same strings that you're hinting at was like, (laughs) what is going on? And I'm like, nothing, it's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The body doesn't Um, lie. No, no. And it's, I, I come from a really, like I was a, an athlete, you know, in my youth and I, I, I view my, my physical body in that regard, right? Like it doesn't, <laughs> at least until very recently, it, it's not a reservoir for emotions. It's like, it does things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that, that's been a really interesting, I don't know, part of, our physical and emotional connection that I have only just started to mm-hmm. realize and explore is like, Oh my God, when I'm under stress, you know, for days or weeks or months on end, like <laughs> my, my neck <laughs> and my shoulders, like mm-hmm. the, 
the structure of them changes, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, it ended up causing this thing in my wrist that, you know, a physician was like, Oh, you have carpal tunnel. I'm like, I don't like I'm 34 years old. And I don't spend that much time on a computer. Like there's no way I have carpal tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out it's, it had much more to do with how, like all the tension I was carrying in my shoulders and in my neck and mobility and all that sort of stuff. So, well, fun fact is that, Mm. um, a lot of wrist pain, like it's referral pain from a muscle underneath your scapula. Yes. And I don't know which one it is. Your (laughs) subscapularis is what it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's I mean it's hard to get to and it's hard to like stretch and so and all the muscles in the shoulder have a relationship with each other um but it yeah it's one of the it feels exactly like carpal tunnel so um for all you listeners out there that think you have carpal tunnel just stick a thumb on your subscapularis and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> I can tell, I, I know it's that now, you know, Mm -hmm. but it took me uh, probably a year of like really actually investigating it and Mm -hmm. working it out with like a lacrosse ball and, you know, getting some massages and, um, and doing stretching that because I'm an athlete, like some of the stretching I was doing was just like, this is ridiculous. Like this Mm -hmm. is doing nothing, you know, or, um, I just had a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that it, it would be helping because it seemed so, uh, easy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we, I don't know. I discount the easy stuff sometimes I think. Yeah. Um, But, but there's a, there's a nugget there is like the easy stuff is that's the foundation. Yeah. There's a phrase that I use with my students and clients is that the our pain was usually caused by small and steady habits mm. and the so it makes sense that the way to heal that is through the slow and steady and the simple nice and so you know we have this go big or go home mentality you know mm-hmm. that it has to oh, be, God. be that way but yeah. there is so much wisdom in the simple daily habits that it's yeah it's almost too easy that people don't think they're worth anything yeah but that's the secret stuff it really is it really is and it's so funny like that I can literally tell people that basically that exact same message around you know (laughs) diet and exercise and lifestyle and then Mm -hmm. like still struggle applying it to my own life when it comes to you know shoulder and wrist pain right um but I mean we're all human and it's true um, we do all struggle with in the end with the same things it's just you know my version of it ends up being a little different than you know maybe my clients or your clients or or yours yeah I had a client once tell me I was trying to relate to her and tell her how I you know deal with the same thing and she was like well, if you don't have it figured out, how am I supposed to have it figured out? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> like, I'm not some 
perfected being telling you how to fix yourself. Like it's a process for everyone. And the, I mean, the difference is, is that I have this relationship with myself where I know what to do when stress and crisis come along. And that's what I want to help you discover for yourself, you know? So no one ever has it figured out really. And anyone who says that they do, like I wouldn't trust them. (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree. They're, they're being either disingenuous or they're not introspective enough to realize it, which is a giant red flag in of itself. True. Yeah. True. So (laughs) speaking of your own journey, um, let's chat a little bit more about minimal wellness, like what your maybe key tenants are, what you've learned to be a healthy approach to these big topics of diet and exercise and self-care. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I, I sort of landed on minimal wellness and the the concepts behind it um, because people make it diet and lifestyle seem so much more complicated than they really need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, We've already talked about it. It, It's really the, the cumulative total of pretty simple changes that you choose to make or pretty simple habits that you choose to make and continue those choices every day or, or at least, you know, weekly. Um, and it really isn't more complicated than that for most people. Um, you know, you get later in life and you start having lots of, um, medical issues. If you start having lots of medical issues then it can get a little more complicated, but, um, reversing them still, you still rely on the same underlying principles. You just might have to add a few layers on top. And so it's helping people understand that you really don't have to make enormous sweeping change, especially overnight, because generally when people try to do that, it's not successful um, and they get frustrated and they, they stop trying. So especially when it comes to like nutrition, we have, we've become really tribal in, you know, our beliefs that X, Y, Z diet is the only way that you can, you know, be healthy. And I don't subscribe to that at all. (laughs) I think that there are a few underlying tenants, you know, like have, you know, 70, 80% of your diet be plant-based and then 20% of it on top, you know, on top of that, you can start playing around with a little bit, but it's, it's really not that complicated. Um, and it's the, the stuff around our, our diet and our life, or diet specifically. Um, but like exercise outside of that, um, that makes it feel so much more complicated, right? Like when you're struggling with relationships or when you're trying to take care of children or, or other family members, or when your work isn't fulfilling or is at least kind of frustrating on a daily basis. Um, it, those sap us of, of our, of our mental resources to put energy into making decisions around food. And when I can help clients understand 
that really, you know, having a, a handful of go-to recipes that are, that are healthy and nutritious, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Realizing that most of the time making these healthier things for dinner or opting for healthier things if you go out to eat takes just as much effort as the less healthy option. Right. So does that, that principle of simplifying, I know that you practice minimalism. So does that kind mm-hmm. of all tie together, like minimizing and simplifying your life and some of the more like day-to-day things can help free up some energy to help tackle some of those more overwhelming tasks? Absolutely. They're, for me anyways, they're really intertwined. Um, you know, initially I, minimalism helped free up time, right? Um, I wasn't running around the house cleaning up Ella's toys, um, anymore or, or my own clothing, right? Like (laughs) when you get rid of 80% of your wardrobe, it's like, Oh, (laughs) this is way easier. Um, and so, so initially it was, it was time and most of it was like, uh, time freed from cleaning, whether it was laundry or picking up or organizing. And, you know, the, the extra half an hour in a day is a lot of time, yeah. um, especially when, when compounded over the course of a week or over a month, when you are ready, we're used to allocating some amount of time for, for preparing meals and for getting some movement in. Um, so that was like the first initial benefit, but like, it also gave me the the physical space that was freed in our life gave me mental space um and i'm really introverted and i've noticed <laughs> at least with my clients a lot of them are introverted as well and i don't know if it's I know you're not. I know you're very extroverted. So this this might actually be a really interesting conversation to have. Okay. But like I've I've noticed that at least the people who I end up working with oftentimes um are introverted as well and they talk a lot about how when the physical clutter in in our lives gets removed or diminished or controlled um that 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 it feels like a noise mm-hmm. right and um when that gets turned down then introverts are feel that almost as an energetic volume getting turned down um which is really relieving <laughs> yeah i've noticed that um though i am very extroverted um, because I'm extroverted when I come home and there is mess or I have too much stuff, it like, it's too much, you know? It's still, yeah. And I've come to really embrace introversion as a good counterbalance because my natural way is extroversion and I would just max it out and that mm-hmm. would lead to a, like, that would trigger my depression or anxiety. Um, and so, yeah. And so I've come to really appreciate being more introverted. Like I went to uh, my parents' lake cabin this weekend by myself because I just, I just 
have come to love alone time. Yeah. Um, and I get, I get, I can get too caught up in other people's worlds. So it's been in the past few years that I've really embraced what both ways of operating can be and how they're both important. And, um, and my husband, Nate is introverted. And it's funny you say that because he's way more sensitive to mess than I am. And Uh we've had a lot of fun talks about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I never thought of it that way is that also being noise and, and stimulation. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it makes sense, but the fact that that would make him more sensitive than I am like that, that just clicks for me. So, yeah. Yeah. So I found that like when, when I'm able to, to be in a space that has less going on is maybe a a good way of thinking about it because there's less stuff and what's here is calming. Right. And it's, it's, it's very intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what stays, I don't want to say sparks joy, <clears throat> but, um, you know, it, it <laughs> who are you, Marie Kondo? Me, Come on. Right. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, no, it works, right? Like yeah. it, everything that is here is very intentional mm-hmm. and, um, it has stayed only because like it has a, a role in our lives, um, in one way or another. Um, and mostly for us it's functionality. Mm -hmm. Like we're not super, we don't have a lot of like decorations or things like that. I have plants, which Mm -hmm. I love. They make me very happy. And I love that they, you know, purify the air, Mm -hmm. um, and lots of windows. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of accoutrements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they hear minimalism, they don't, look at it as an opportunity they look at it as like well how can I live without this or you know but it really just creates space for the things that you love to be more a part of your life yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and like you said before it creates energy to focus on things like your health that are a little bit harder to handle sometimes, especially when you're stressed out because like most people, when they're stressed out, they reach for the brownies or the carbs or like eating healthy is the last thing that they want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've also found that like, it's easier to get back on track Mm -hmm. um, without as many distractions. Right. So even like this last week, um, Ella, my daughter and I got the flu and luckily it wasn't bad as, you know, lots of people are struggling with really nasty stuff, but like the cold part of it has been rough. But even through that, it was relatively easy to still eat pretty well, right? Because like I had, I had soups in the freezer, you know, that I could just pull out and thaw and, um, you know, cook up some rice and just have some rice and soup and like, there were, you know, now that we're feeling better, um, it would be really easy to just kind of jump back into our, our healthier habits because there's nothing in the way of that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our space is already set up to, to facilitate it, right. To cue us into it, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Got my blender sitting out on the counter, and it's like the only thing on the counter. So it's like, okay, smoothie time. Or, right. Um, you know, it. I open up the fridge, and what's still in the fridge is it, it's healthy stuff, and so it cues you to like, okay, this is this is the, these are the options. Right. Um, you know, and I just I make the choice of of not bringing junk into the house, and so it just makes it so much easier that when I have the energy to kind of dive back into it, so to speak, um, I I don't have to overcome all of the stuff that's been brought in in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, and if you're a lazy person, like I can be sometimes, like if you just have the healthy stuff right at your like the closest thing to you it's like out of laziness I'll just eat healthy because that's going to be easier than cooking up something that I'm craving you know totally so. totally I mean the the worst damage and I to, I'm saying damage sarcastically by the way um you know that I did food wise this weekend while I was sick was like I had a plate of nachos right like I had like blue <laughs> blue corn chips in the in the cupboard and I was like, oh, there's cheese in the fridge. And that's what I want. So I made, you know, I just made a plate of like blue corn chip nachos, you know, with hot sauce. It's like, so, really? So rebellious. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's but true. It's, it, but, it, but it served its purpose, right? Like uh-huh. it did actually, like, I do think that we need to cut ourselves a break and realize mm-hmm. that like sometimes we do need a little soothing and that yep. sometimes food is a perfectly acceptable way of, of making that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, Ella asked for pancakes this weekend. And so I made this protein pancakes recipe that I've got up on the blog and it's like, it's a healthier version of regular pancakes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still pancakes, you know, we still smother them in maple syrup and, um, but we can't always be, you know, this epitome of nutritious, good choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference between what is the norm and what is the exception because a lot of times like unhealthy eating has become the norm and then there's the exception of these healthy meals or living a stressful high pressure life is the norm or the hustle you know and then Mm -hmm. there's these luxurious times of de-stressing that you get only if you've earned it you know Mm -hmm. and it's just like I don't know like can there be another way of having a more healthy grounded lifestyle with the exception of stress or with the exception of indulgence in something you're craving that's a beautiful way of putting it well thank you (laughs) yes I totally agree I totally agree yeah it's not I my goal you know in life is is never to have you know beautiful comfort comforting food indulgences or Mm -hmm. um never to have stress I I think that that it that would be extremely naive Mm -hmm. um and silly to try to strive for is never going to happen. Um, but like you said, make, make your, your norm, your baseline, you know, be, be healthy, nutritious foods or make your norm and your baseline with, with lifestyle, be, be calm and low stress. Um, 
and not frenetic and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then realize that, yeah, there's going to be the times when, <laughs> when it's stressful, when life is stressful, when you have a lot going on, mm-hmm. um, when you've taken on too much or when life just throws you more than you're normally handling and it gets to be a little overwhelming. But because you come from that baseline of, of calm, A, it's easier to handle those more overwhelming times and B, you know what it's like to go back to that. And so you have that, you have that resonance, that feeling of like, okay, I know what I, how it feels to be back at that place. Um, and that's a really powerful motivator to, to put the pieces back and to get back to it. I see a big difference with my clients that take really good care of themselves and my clients that don't at all. Like the clients that take really good care of themselves still, you know, get pain. They still get a kink in their shoulder or a little yeah. back twinge. But they just need one session or a little correction and then they're good. When people that don't take good care of themselves, it takes them a couple of sessions, like a lot more intervention. Yeah. And so I like that word that you said, just creating this baseline of health. So you have the capacity to deal with stress when it comes. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that like, especially since, you know, leaving my formerly unbelievably stressful role in starting minimal wellness, which like, I don't want to pretend starting your own business is stress free. (laughs) Um, Yes. uh, It is not. (laughs) It's just Um, different stress. (laughs) It's a different stress. It's a stress that I'm choosing. Right. Right. And I, I have, I have, I literally have ultimate control over, um, what I'm going to find stressful or put on my plate or, you know, say yes to, um, and that is extremely helpful for me. So what I found is that because I've removed that, I've, I've lowered my baseline stress right? To be so, I don't have a baseline of stress anymore, right? Like Mm -hmm. I have, I live my life, right? And it it doesn't feel stressful on a day-to-day basis. And because of that, I'm able to handle these periods of really intense stress that, that have come up over the last, you know, year and a half. And, um, and I think weather them in a far better way, right? Like the outcomes of those stressful periods have been much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've made better choices during them and, um, coming out of them has been easier because I'm, I'm able to come back to this place of relative calm. Right. And I know what that feels like now, whereas before I didn't, you know, like, um, for nine years, I, I knew I was, you know, a ball of stress um, and I knew I wasn't sleeping well and I knew I was just kind of to a certain extent coping, but like I didn't, because it was so long term, I didn't have a baseline of what I could feel like without that. And so it, 
interestingly enough, it didn't feel as necessary to change, like, you know, because it, it was chronic. It was like, oh, well, this is just life. And also it didn't, now when I go away from my baseline, it's like, okay, what are you going to do right now to fix this? Mm-hmm. You know, and it becomes, it, it's a lot more urgent for me to, to get back to a place of feeling really grounded and stable and um, strong, which is not what I feel like when I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be this transition period from going from your normal of being stressed to your normal of being calm because you become more sensitive to pain and and mm. have a lower tolerance for it. It's like, well, I've worked really hard not to live this stressful, painful life. And so when those pains start to creep in, you're not numb to it anymore. And so it's like, yeah. oh, I'm feeling this more intensely because I'm coming from a healthier state. And so that's like the blessing and the curse of of living a, a healthier life is that you don't, it's harder to just numb it out and forget about it. Like it's there and you, and you got to deal with it. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I had not realized like the sensitivity part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. I'm way more sensitive to like, uh, things that might, you know, detrimentally impact my sleep, for example, or Mm -hmm. things that I know are going to not, jive well with with who I am yeah (laughs) like social obligations like I used to be kind of oh sure I'll go do that or you know I said yes to a lot more in the social world you know several years ago and now I'm kind of like no (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's part of getting older as well (laughs) just getting in your comfort zone um Uh but yeah I mean it just is coming it's like having a more empowered relationship with yourself. Yeah. And being able to like make those calls without second guessing it because you've cultivated a deeper relationship with yourself. Mhm. Mhm. I I need to learn I feel like I need to learn more about how to help cultivate that with clients though. Mm-hmm. Like that that strength and awareness of like what's good, what's right for them. I mean, it's part of what I try to do with um, work around like values and priorities and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's almost like that that sense of autonomy, like I can do this. Yeah, I think that's where self-care really comes in and self-care in the term of like not those what self-care can look like, but really Instagram (laughs) self-care don't get me started Um, (laughs) but um but know that like that really that tuning into yourself and honoring what you hear yeah and each time you do that you're like putting another building block on there and it's really practicing self-love and so that looks like I mean a lot of times it comes out in working on your diet, working on your, you know, exercise and things like that and how you're helping people. But it, it underlying that is they're doing that because they're listening to a nudge that they got to do so. Right. 
And so it's a continuation of just following this, your, I mean, I call it inner wisdom because I don't know what else to call it, especially without getting too woo woo about it. (laughs) But it is this (laughs) like, you know, this gut feeling and this like stillness that's like, you should reach out to Becca and she can help you with your nutrition because that's what you're needing right now. Or that yoga class you saw, like that sounds interesting. You should maybe go over there. And it's just Mm -hmm. like following those little nudges and, and creating it, creating an environment where you can actually hear it, you know? Right. Right. What do you think of how that relates to like our kind of cultural obsession with outcomes? Do you think the outcome, like people having this attachment to a specific outcome? Yeah. um, Do you think that makes it harder to listen to your voice? Yeah, I definitely do because I mean, and that's kind of the problem with things like Instagram. I mean, I love Instagram obviously, but it's like, you're you're comparing it to somebody else's path and when people like with my own journey with depression when people are like well how did you get where you are at with your mental health and I'm like I listened to my individual journey like (laughs) I can tell you what I did but that's not necessarily going to be your recipe to um to get the outcomes that you want and so people get attached to this you know how it's going to look physically how you're things that you need to be doing and they just kind of feel like if they're not there, if it doesn't look like so-and-so's, then they're not doing it right. And Mm -hmm. I I work with that a lot in my yoga classes um, and with my mentoring clients because that's a lot of times where they get stuck is they're holding it up to a a specific measure of what they think it should be. And when when people come at me and they're like, well, I didn't do – what we talked about, but I just like heard this one thing from myself. So I did that, but so I didn't really do it right. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) no, you did it exactly right. (laughs) You know? So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, I mean, I think it is that attachment to outcomes that we seem to be addicted to. Oh my God. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. um, I just more, more and more, I get, I'm getting this feedback that when we are we are attached to an outcome, it just makes it exponentially harder to actually listen to the, the things we should be doing mm-hmm. to uh, to ironically most likely get to an outcome that might look similar to the thing we're trying <laughs> to get to. Um, right. But that when we fixate so heavily on but I'm not there and I'm worried about not being there. And Why mm-hmm. am I not there? And this stuff that I'm doing isn't going to get me there because clearly I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it, it's a quagmire, right? That keeps people not able to actually go forward and, and mm-hmm. move toward a better outcome not maybe the outcome that they had in mind because hopefully they let it go, but like, (laughs) right. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, that's that's something that I'm working on trying to articulate a little bit better for, for clients. That's why it's important to get clear, like you mentioned on your values and Mm -hmm. the actual outcome you're wanting, like a pure outcome, I would say. And then, you know, being committed to that pure outcome, but then detaching from what it has to look like. 
Yeah. But it's yeah. that initial action that is important. But then, you know, you're, you might zigzag and swirl around and go down and up instead of a straight line. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> the number of times I've talked about like growth, not being linear. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I think if yeah. you're ever I, expecting growth to be linear, you should just, you know, not try. <laughs> I don't know. You that's... know what's so funny is like, <laughs> I, I think that intellectually most of us understand that it's not linear Mm-hmm. But we still expect it to be right, right? Like, or at least, or at least we're we're too derailed by when it isn't. Right. <laughs> you know, like w- we love it when we're making you know what appears to be linear growth, mm-hmm. and then we just get crushed by the inevitable period of sideways growth or mm-hmm. backtracking mm-hmm. or this circuitous route that life has decided to put us on. Um, And when that is, that's the reality. It's like, it's always going to be, it's never linear, I guess is a better way of saying it. Yeah. And we misinterpret what looks like a back step is actually a forward step. Yeah. But because of our expectations, Mm-hmm. and pride or whatever is going yeah. into it we don't recognize that as a forward step you know? absolutely so. absolutely yeah the the pain is required for the the growth or whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah 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 I I often tell people like when they start to make positive change and everything falls apart um they're like this wasn't supposed to happen I'm like this means that it is happening <laughs> like <laughs> when you start to get more clear on your your authentic way of being you have to get rid of all the things that don't match that and that yeah. can be very devastating you know like you're saying you know your marriage and your job like all happened with not that far apart but yeah, that's yeah. that's how it goes a lot of the time and that's happened for me in my life where I felt like I was trying so hard to make improvements but everything was falling apart but then when you come out of that you're like oh I see that makes sense now yeah yeah it's the proverbial phoenix yes exactly yeah um I'm like (laughs) I was overwhelmingly tempted to like take my arms and flap them. (laughs) You just follow your heart song, Becca. Like if you need to do that, like do it. Although I'm sitting here under my podcasting blanket, um, making these like twiddling my fingers, like somebody, something's rumbling at the bottom, ready to emerge. Like that's what, that's what I've been doing with Excellent, excellent. <laughs> it sounds like you really need a video version I'm, of your podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, if anyone saw what I actually do. Um, <laughs> it's all for the we sake of We take ourselves art. so seriously, don't we? I know, we do, for sure. Uh, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a few friends ask me, like, so what's your process for recording the podcast and stuff? And I'm like, well, I bought a kind of decent mic and I go under a blanket and that. Right? <laughs> God, that is so good. It's so good. It reminds me of, so I listened to um, an interview with Seth Godin this weekend in my 
in my sickness stupor. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a podcast called Simplify. I hadn't heard it before. Um, but yeah, he, I, I've read a lot of his work over the last few years and he's got a theme, you know, of one of his themes is basically like, put your work out in the world, right? Like stop trying, stop waiting for it to be perfect or, um, you know, to get the the right polish on it, like do it and do it as best you can and then ship it, get it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then work on it, right? Like keep working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like getting it out into the world in its, in its beautiful, imperfect state, Mm -hmm. um, is so much better than, than waiting and not doing it and trying to get it quote unquote perfect. Cause it's, you know, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. I don't think it ever happens unless you do some of the crappier stuff first. It doesn't. Right. Like no one, you know, you, you <laughs> a kid isn't born knowing how to run. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have to do the stages before it. Yep. You have to fall on your face. <laughs> yeah. And that is exactly what we we're talking about with healing. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. I just plan on it, you know, plan yeah. on it being a little ugly sometimes, like, you know, imperfect roundabout and then, and then go from there. That's all mm-hmm. you can hope for. Absolutely. Um, I love it. So I am curious. Okay. So I'm someone who, uh, I don't love to exercise. I'm just going to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I love to move. Like I have to, like when I lived in the mountains, I never had to think about exercise because I just enjoyed everything I was doing. But coming back to the Midwest, it's a little bit different culture and I'm finding that I need to be more strict or more intentional with movement or else I just get cuddled up on the couch with my dog and don't do anything. Um, (laughs) Do you have, as someone who enjoys movement and exercise, do you have any tips for people such as myself that really doesn't like it? Well, I mean, you actually said something really great there is that like you used to find movement enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So like there is a cluster of things that you like doing. Um, what is that hiking and climbing and like what, what part of the mountain, what part of of the mountain life was appealing? Like year round, there was always fun things to do. Um, yeah. And in able to do them, I had to stay in decent shape to enjoy myself. Totally. Yep. So I liked trail running was probably my most like favorite everyday thing, but I did do climbing and skiing and backpacking and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my recommendations for people is to, to try to find the things that you, you enjoy doing and to not, for people who claim to not like exercise, like don't view it as exercise, right. View it as movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and like our, our bodies are designed to move, right. And we do best when we have lots of of movement and actually like more organic movement than most people get when they're doing prescribed like fitness stuff, you know, like (laughs) hopping on an elliptical machine for a half an hour every day of the week is not actually very, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's good for your cardiovascular system. It's, you know, good for your muscles, but 
um, it's not very natural movement that you're repeating over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding things that you enjoy doing, um, and can kind of lose yourself in, whether that's hiking or trail running or cycling or walking or gardening or dancing, um, you know, it doesn't have to be running or, uh, CrossFit or, you know, a lot of the site spinning, right? Like I happen to like a few of those things. Uh, CrossFit is not on that list. Um, <laughs> but more power to the people who that resonates with. Right. right? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a matter of, of experimenting until you find the things that you really do enjoy doing. Um, and then being relatively diligent with yourself about getting them on your calendar and doing them frequently. Cause I mean, I grew up in, um, the twin cities in Minnesota and I get it. Like (laughs) when it's, when it's 10 below zero, uh, and dark most of the day, the tendency is to cuddle up on the couch. Mm Um, and so especially in those sorts of situations, um, finding the things that you, you can still do in those times. And for me, you know, it was, it was cross country skiing for a long time. I played indoor soccer too, like in the, in the middle of the winter. So that was kind of nice, although, you know, not terribly applicable for people in their thirties and forties and beyond. (laughs) I don't do it anymore. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, but you know, there's indoor climbing and, um, now, you know, Ellen, Josh and I, we go to the YMCA and we swim and run around the track together. And, you know, we just, we're more gentle during the winter. Um, Mm. but we still move, you know? Yeah. I think I've fallen into the trap that we just talked about recently of what you think it should be because an exercise practice is less intuitive to me than uh, like an emotional practice. Like yeah. I, I got into yoga because it helped me with my mental and emotional health. And yeah. that's like a big motivator and easier for me to navigate. But when I get into like, okay, what can I do just for physical health and to increase my like health of my muscles and things like that, I get kind of paralyzed because I'm like, okay, does it have to be this program or do I have to do it X amount a week? And then that like gives me anxiety. Like, (laughs) you know, it's just, uh, it's such a a more foreign thing, but to just like let go of that and have fun. It's so simple, but I just, yeah, that's one of my weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, we have opposite weaknesses, right? Like mine, yep. mine is that the emotional stuff seems so foreign. It's like, okay, so what am I supposed to be doing to deal with that? <laughs> That's a thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've taken up meditation actually. Um, not, and I'm not super routine about it, but like more days than not during the week, I'll sit down for 15 or 20 minutes and I'll, and I'll meditate. And that has been a practice that I've, you know, kind of forced myself into doing. 
Um, so maybe, and I, and I enjoy it now. Um, but it's also something that I have to be kind of strict with myself about, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not being aware and I'm not holding myself accountable to the fact that I, Hey, guess what? Haven't been, you haven't sat down and meditated in two days. It's time to make that happen. I do have to like be firm, right. And say, okay, today it's, it's happening. Like, and I don't have a specific time, although I found that before bed works pretty well for me. And so if before bed, I'm like, Hey, yeah, it's been three days or two days. It's like, sit down, do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe that for you might work and maybe it's yoga or maybe it's bundling up and going on a long walk with the hound Mm -hmm. puppy, (laughs) um, you know, or something silly, you know, like, like a snowball fight (laughs) yeah I actually have started instead of listening to audiobook or podcast in the morning I've put on um like a Spotify songs I sing in the shower mix and I just dance around while I get ready and that like when I maybe that's something I need to embrace more because when I hear a song with some fat beats or (laughs) like a song I can't resist singing to it doesn't matter the time of day I will dance I can't help myself from moving around and so maybe just embracing that I just got to dance it out every day totally yeah that's your (laughs) that's your winter thing yeah in the privacy of my own home yeah just idiotic (laughs) dance at your house although I am known to really not have any shame in public either um so like i i'll be the one in the grocery store aisle like singing and dancing i love it yeah i learned it from my mom at first she used Mm -hmm. to do it and it made i would get really embarrassed and then one time we were out of town where i didn't know anybody and she's like just dance with me and so i did and it was super fun and i and so now it's part of me (laughs) i love how in retrospect, we can find those times where our parents' personalities totally just interwove with ours. Yeah. And that they they didn't always embarrass me. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can have faith in the fact that, like, maybe someday with my future children, they'll look back and be like, my mom was actually kind of cool, not just a big dork all the time. Right, right. Or just madly infuriating. Right. I feel like what I am to Ella most of the time. She's only four, so. She'll get I'm there. really looking forward to when she's 14. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, Lord. Uh, wish you luck. Um, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, I guess to kind of close up, do you have any of your favorite habits, favorite self-care things that you do that you'd want to share? The meditation has turned into a really good form of self-care for me. I, um, I've, I'm the kind of person that like doesn't realize she's anxious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, um, I'm still like, I think, um, but the, you know, several times a week meditation sort of practice that I currently have has really helped um, me find a new level of grounding Mm -hmm. that I enjoy. And um, so that's been a really 
lovely piece of what I consider self-care over the last year that I've worked to, to bring in and establish, right? Like I'm pretty good at like, like we were talking about, like the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? What does it look like? It, it's totally very, it varies. Like it just, I like moving. So I just kind of do whatever I feel like doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not prescriptive about it at all. Every now and then, like last year for a while, I was like, I really want to do a pull-up. And so <laughs> I, I basically was very strict with myself about like every day doing some strength work to get me to a place of being able to do a pull-up. And I did that and I could do pull-ups for like six months. And then I was like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like continuing to do pull-ups on a regular and mm-hmm. regular enough basis to keep that strength there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can no longer do a pull-up. Well, I have never been able to do a pull-up. And so yeah. maybe I should, I always blamed my, my booty. Like I just got too much of a booty. Like my body proportions are off <laughs> or I can yeah. never pull myself up, but Maybe I should revisit that challenge. Yeah, yeah. That was always my logic, too. Like, I've always had really, you know, strong. I, <laughs> I've, I've gotten to the place where I'm like, they're strong. They're not, like, they're not big. They're strong. Uh, legs and thighs and, yeah, booty. Um, and that was always my logic. Was, and that's from soccer, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just, it, and I appreciated mm-hmm. the fact that they were strong and, but finally I was like, I want to be able to do a pull up. And yeah. then I was like, I really don't care whether or not I can do a pull up. <laughs> but it was fun to fun to have some, you know, yeah. a little bit of structure around that. So no, I generally um I just move because I like it. And yeah. um sometimes I'll I'll get in a kick of like I you know, I, I wanna run generally when it gets warmer out, I run more. Mm-hmm. Um and when it's colder out I do more spinning. Um I have a really old spin bike that I got off of Craigslist for a hundred bucks when I was pregnant with my daughter. Nice. It was like the best, you know, purchase of exercise equipment I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's down in our basement and I just go down into my dungeon a couple times a week and do that here when I'm in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting now cause like I'm splitting my time between Montana and California and so I can still run like, without freezing to death um, outside every other week. So this winter, anyways, I've still been running in the winter, which has been great. Um, But, like, when I'm there, I'll go hiking. And when I'm here in the summer, I'll go hiking. Those are my main things. I do yoga. I'm not on a yoga kick right now, though. Yeah. I I don't know why. It comes in in phases. (laughs) It does. Yeah. And I just kind of, I go with it. Yeah. That's, I think that is such a great way to be. I mean, I tell people that with, with their own yoga practice, like sometimes you just get on your mat and you move your body therapeutically. Sometimes you do more of a structured practice, but the point is to just be doing it some, mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. So I should take my own advice <laughs> when it comes to exercise. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, it's, it's one of those things that like, like we were saying earlier, like we, 
we all have the things we need to work on. This is true. Yeah. Very cool. So how can people, if people want to work with you, what kind of offerings yeah. do they, do you have where they, can they find you? Totally. Thanks. Um, so yeah, my, my website's minimalwellness.com and, um, I do one-on-one nutrition and life coaching. It's mostly nutrition coaching. I don't really like calling myself a life coach. Um, <laughs> I don't either. That's why I chose, <laughs> I chose mentoring cause I'm like, yeah, it's a little softer, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But like, you know, uh, what, what generally people find working with me is like your nutrition status is intertwined with your life. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about. So there does a little bit of that comes in. Um, so I do one-on-one coaching. Um, I offer a couple different options for that. And then I run this program called the 23 day priorities reset where it's like group. It's a hybrid one-on-one group coaching. Um, and I got a couple of different options for that one now too. There's a virtual version that you can do all by yourself, um, self-guided, and you just watch videos online. Um, and I provide you with a meal plan and worksheets and things like that to sort of guide the process through of developing some new habits that are in line with your your values. Um, and then there's the the coached version of that, which I call the original. Um, which includes like a couple of coaching sessions and um, a little bit more detailed meal plan and some extra bonus video sessions. Um, Yeah. So that program is more designed to holistically look at life and wellness and nutrition and fitness and kind of bring it all into alignment with what you want. And how often do you do that? Because I know you're in the middle of one right that now. Is a, thank you for the prodding question. You're so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm doing one right now in February. I believe, yeah, the next one I'm doing is in April. So it's actually a really great time to sign up for that if you, your listeners are so inclined. Um, it's, uh, if you head to my website, it's under the services tab on my website. Um, cool. But I... In the past, I'd ran, I ran a couple of them last year, and it was like quarterly that I ran it. I think mm-hmm. I'm probably going to run it close to every other month this year. We'll see. Cool. Yeah, but the next one, the, the one that's on the schedule next is in April. They can sign up for your newsletter to get updates on yeah. that? Yeah. They can. You are good. <laughs> well, I'm you so, know. This is, a, this is a case in point of like uh, what Seth Godin was talking about. It's like, just start. <laughs> I, am, I am terrible self-promoting at self-promoting. Yeah. So there's a, I have a link at the top of my, a field at the top of my webpage that's for my newsletter. And that goes out roughly monthly um, just as updates on what I'm working on and, um, any upcoming reset programs, or if I develop something new, that'll be in there. Um, I also throw out like podcast recommendations and things like that in the newsletter, try to keep it light, relevant, and not badger you with information. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And I enjoy it. So I can vouch Thank you. for I appreciate that. For it. So mm. very cool. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much for for joining me and sharing your wisdom. And Thank you, science. Randy. This is great. Cool. You're a, you're a joy. <laughs> I do what I can. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm coming out of my blanket dungeon now.
<laughs> okay, I'm back in the blanket for just one more moment. But isn't Becca great? She's just so real about things, which is very refreshing in general, but especially in the wellness coaching world. I love how she can transform the commonly overwhelming and overcomplicated tasks of eating well and exercising and turn them into these practical common sense activities and that keeping it simple really is enough. Tune in next week as the month of joy continues with the inspiring artist and entrepreneur Caroline Zook of Made Vibrant. And don't forget your little gift of love, the Cultivating Self-Love ebook. Text SELFLOVE18 to 44222 or head over to com. And while you're over on the website, you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter and find out more about my self-care mentoring sessions that I've referred to during this podcast. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the journey.